Now, where did I put it? Hmm. Ah, here it is. Welcome to the Toolbox. Tools for life and everything in between. Stuff you can use or toss, it's up to you. Howdy, y'all. The uh, following is actually recorded during our preamble while I was getting prepared to start the podcast, but we actually covered some really great points, so I'm including it in this episode as well. I hope you enjoy it, and uh, the noise you hear in the background is actually Dave's uh, machine that is cutting out the stickers and decals for the Canadian Walk for Veterans and a bunch of other projects that he's doing, so it goes away very quickly, and I tried to eliminate it as best as possible, but it is still in the background there, so just be aware that it's there, and otherwise, enjoy the show. It has all these uh, instructional videos on how to, you know, run the machine, uh, maintenance, everything in order to get this thing going, and even how to make shirts and all this stuff, but there's some things that I'm like, there's there's something more to this machine. It is very intelligent. At the same time, it's like, I think it requires a little bit of TLC. Uh, anytime you got anything like that, you really got to, got to take your time with it too, right? Like really go through each piece and fine tune that, uh, that one rotor that is not working or like uh, yeah. anything that has that much uh, machinery in it is always just a bitch. Oh yeah. And the last thing I want to do is go in there with a screwdriver. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Start clunking things around and be like, how do I put this back together? No. Yes, because the infantry are known for their technical abilities. Oh, man. And I'm probably the epitome of that uh, stereotype. Guaranteed. I know how to change the tire and change my oil. That's about it. I could run a, any firearm like a madman, but yeah, it is, it's, it's kind of sad. It's embarrassing. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's embarrassing because you, you know... Uh, you know what you know. I know my limitations, yes, sir. Absolutely. And that's that's a good thing. A lot of people would just be like, I'm the best dude at this, and I'm the best dude at that, and blah, 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 blah. Right? No. I, uh, I'm i very humble in the fact that there are a lot of things where I have strengths and I have weaknesses. I guess that's probably what's going to lead us into today's podcast. It definitely will. I'm just pulling that up right now. I, you know, I don't know how many times I've actually written down these questions and asked them to people now. Still can't remember them for the life of me. Well, it's good, man. The fact that you're doing it so much and that you're, you're getting people out and that you're getting the, the attraction, that's amazing. That's the whole point of why we're trying to do what we do, right? It shows that your efforts are recognized. You know, and none of us really do it for that, obviously, right? We all, most of us want to do something to help people because that's just the way we are. We want to help people. and. uh I got started with this initially because I was thinking to myself, I mean, when I got out and I started looking at the veterans' issues and the fact that we were so fractured and dismantled and everything was kind of crap. And I was just like, you know what? Somebody else has seen the problem. Somebody else has seen the solution. Somebody else should, there should be this tier one paragon that's going to come down from the hill and be like, okay, boys, this is what we're going to do. And everyone will just be like, oh, yeah, that guy's fucking badass. Let's follow what he's saying. <laughs> yeah. And I realized after a little bit of time that that person doesn't exist. And if no one else is stepping up to the plate, then somebody has to. So I just kind of decided to start working on stuff. And it's uh, turning out pretty good so far. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'd... I, I look at it as in like mentors. And um, I've mentioned it a few times, like watching the uh, the Last Dance with Michael Jordan 
when I was a kid, like I wanted to be a basketball player so bad, you know, and I sucked. <laughs> and, but like Michael Jordan was so inspiring to me at such a young age. And then eventually I grew out of that and I had other mentors and stuff like that. There was different things that or not mentors, but inspirational figures. Yep. And some of them were probably good choices. Some of them were not always the good choices. You know what I mean? Fred Durst from Limp Bizkit, like <laughs> being a teenager, right? I love the whole rock and roll scene and stuff. And so it, it inspired me to get out and have fun and stuff. But nowadays as an adult, as a professional, like taking those pieces from people that you've learned all around, you almost create your own superhero that is your mentor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. If you can look at it from that perspective, because a lot of people look at it in terms of what do others owe me or um, I'm like, I already know, I already know how to do these things. I mean, we saw it in the military all the time, right? Is you fake it till you make it. And there are lots of people who fake it and don't make it. They just keep faking it. And it's crazy. The biggest thing is you got to be real to yourself no matter what. Like, and I think, like even looking at those questions that you provided to me and like, that was kind of my, some of my things is like, you got to be real, man. If you're not real, people are going to see it and you're going to be exposed and people are just going to be like, I don't want to deal with this person. You know what I mean? I, I like it's, we see it everywhere we go. And uh, I don't know. That's why I've really, really tried to, even with the brand of Bush Wookie, to be more of like something that's, that's bigger. And I've had my troubles in life as well, where, even when I started this company, um, I was going through some difficult times and stuff, and I wanted to help others. I want to help the veteran community. I want to do this stuff. And I'm like, I got to kind of help myself too. You know what I mean? And I've really done a lot of growing in order to get to the point where I am today. And I feel like there's still so much more. I've reached into more of my spiritual side, and I've been seeing these signs, and it's, it's really helped me a ton. And it's like, I've got this wave of negative energy off of me because it's amazing how much that manipulates even just your day or the moment, you know what I mean? And like, just trying to look at things in a different perspective. Now I'm not perfect. I'm still an infantry veteran. You know what I mean? I still have a temper. I'm still, you know what I mean? But I feel recently I've been, I don't know, been able to manage that. And I really have to allow myself to be open and be, um, open to the signs, but then also absorbent of my surroundings and try to look at things differently and look at the positive outcome as much as possible. It's a great, great point. And it, one of the key things that I realized after, after I started learning the fact that I didn't know everything and uh, that I had so much to learn, when I, the moment I made that realization, you start looking back on things and you're like, oh my God, how did I not see it then? Or... Um, I realized that some of the people that I love the most in life, um, they did these things all the time, you know, yeah. the, like the basics of humility and, um, politeness and, uh, yeah. professionalism and just like the, the little things that at the time, you know, you're a young, uh, idiot, uh, idiotic buck and you're trying to prove to the world how fucking badass you are. And you have all these examples and all these things that are just sitting there that you could absorbing yeah and yet you're just shunning them the whole time because you're like oh, i know what the fuck to talk about yeah definitely to have a hard head is definitely a military trait especially when we're younger right like yeah almost it's honestly arrogance 
in a way and ego or whatnot. And that's why, like, when I was becoming an instructor, I wanted to make sure I, I trained my guys not to be like that. And I had to demonstrate that. Right. So that was really when things changed for me is when I actually have troops in my supervision and I got to mold these young individuals. And it's like, if I'm not honest with them, if I'm not giving them everything, you know what I mean? How am I supposed to expect that from them? I went through the exact same thing, actually. Went from being a really, really bitter corporal to becoming a master corporal and having to be the example for a bunch of recruits. Yeah. You can't be a bitter corporal in front of a bunch of recruits because then you have a bunch of bitter recruits and they don't make they don't make it to the, to the unit. They can't be trained. They can't be developed. And I learned those lessons real hard and real fast. Luckily, real fast. Uh, the first week, I think my first course, I was just like, oh, shit. You like, do you just see how malleable they are and how much they're watching you and how much they're picking up from your... every move? Yeah. Yeah. Every move. And it is, uh, it's a good thing if you can rise to it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, you know, we've all been under instructors that have never been, uh, great <laughs> in terms of oh, yeah. leadership and, uh, personal experience. Like, I think I did a course, uh, when I first got in of a warrant from the artillery with a CD in 06 when I went through, uh, which means that this guy has not had a single deployment at all. And he's a warrant and he was just horrible. <laughs> he was just horrible. Uh, but you know, he didn't learn the hard lessons from being out there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I also know guys that were just phenomenal. Like, Brand new promoted mass corporals get sent to the school and they are just fantastic. Yeah. And they don't have tours either. Uh, you know, it just depends on what you're striving to be. Yeah. And, you know, on uh, on that note, I'm actually going to introduce the show because we haven't done that yet. So. <laughs> um, welcome, everybody, to Tools for the Toolbox. Uh, this is episode 11. And uh, I'm just going to start off with saying that I'm really excited again for this uh next hour worth of conversation and i'm gonna let my guest introduce himself as per usual so who are you and what is your military background i am uh dave ward currently a sergeant with the canadian armed forces reserves uh, my background trade is infantry i originally started with the canadian forces reserves back in 2002 I was, it was a month before my 17th birthday, so I was enlisted legitimately at the age of 16. And I was with the Argyle and Sutherland Highlanders of Canada, Highland unit based out of Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, an amazing unit. I bet you look great in a kilt. Buddy, you have no idea. <laughs> I look amazing in a kilt. Man, a real man can wear a kilt. Trust me, it is the attention I used to get with that or that we all get, especially on Remembrance Day, man, it is something to see. It is. The unit looks beautifully dressed and beautiful is the word to be said, you know, but uh, it's, it's also a, when the bagpipes are going and you're in your kilt, man, you feel like a warrior, man. Like there's something about it. It just digs deep. It's so cool. I, I would love if our military did that and just took that as just, if we all became Highland units, just, Screw it. Our reg force, our Highland units, our dresses and kilts, and that's the way it is. 
Well, a lot of guys would not be happy about that. <laughs> I just think it's I think it's awesome. Uh, you know, we have pipes at every uh, at everything we do, right? So that makes sense. We have the engineers at least. We have Highland Games style competitions every year. Oh yeah. So mm. why not? But also, I got a lot of other awesome ideas. And I sorry to interrupt you. I just as you were saying that you were in a Highland unit, I was picturing you in a kilt, and I was just like, wow. Yeah, girl. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, carry on. You're with the, the the Highlanders, and yeah, so I was with them for eight years. But I'm going to quickly touch on the fact that you know, going from the kilt and then going with PPCLI and wearing that dress uniform, man, I also felt like a badass warrior wearing that. Like it felt so good. Like, and then going back to the kilt was I like the whole dress uniform, but like I don't know, some it's. It's a toss up between the two uniforms. If I could like amalgamate like one pant leg and one kilt on the side, <laughs> that would be ridiculous. Right? That. Just a one legged kilt. <laughs> so yeah. you're like wearing a short and a pant leg. Yeah, yeah. I'd get beat up for sure. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I was with the Argyles for eight years. Uh, I learned a lot with them. I did go on deployment with them on Task Force 308 in Kandahar with the. KPRT, Kandahar Provincial Reconstruction Team with uh, Golf Company 2RCR. Most of my task with the Argyles was usually recce. So I was involved with uh, teams training for the Cambrian Patrol. I ended up doing my recce course with 1RCR. At that point in time, I was a little bit of a... Because I did a lot of training with some pertinent individuals. We had a, a guy who was a U.S. Ranger. We had a guy from... Uh, the hill, Dwyer Hill come down and also help with the training and stuff like that. So I felt when I went on course, there was a little bit of friction between me and the Red Force guys and then me being just a hard-headed 19-year-old kid. So I didn't really get along with too many of those guys, unfortunately, because there were some who rose out of that. Well, a lot of them rose to that. Like They, were, uh, they went and served on Op Medusa, the, most of those guys. And uh, I wish I had a better rapport with them. And I, that was something I wish that I have seen guys recently in the past. I was just like, hey, how's it going? You know what I mean? Show my love and respect towards them. But yeah, that was something back in those days in 2005 era, reserve and reg force units, like reserves, we got a lot of flack. It sucked. Oh, yeah. Yep. Whereas like our military has definitely grown a lot more since then because there are a lot of guys from the reserves that have proven that they've earned their spot of respect as a good soldier. You know what I mean? Guys, I know countless guys that have gone special forces, you know, CSOR, JTF2, or they've also moved on to amazing careers within the forces, become officers. You know what I mean? Like, we're all human. Now, there's limitations between the reserves and rec force, but you know what I mean? Like, there's, we've seen guys rise from that. But anyways, Argyles, after Task Force 308, um, I ended up going to one PPCLI. Right after my tour, and um, it was in 2009. I ended up going there in 2010. I just didn't feel at home, man. I didn't feel like after I came home from that deployment. Oh, yeah, with that Gulf Company 2RCR, super accepting to reserves. They, they were amazing with us. Love those guys. So I ended up going out west, and basically right from there, we stood up and started spooling up for Task Force 111. And I was a platoon signaler, and I had a great career with the PPCLI, man. And... Uh, Things really developed from there. And uh, I ended up becoming a sniper, working with sniper teams and recce teams. And I served with the PPCLI for seven years. And now I came back 
became a correctional officer, didn't like that, went to me for range control for a couple of years. Now I'm in my process of releasing so that I can focus on the business and continue to do great things. So speaking of the business, what do you do now? Mm. I am currently uh, in the process of releasing and right now just working on the business while I'm applying for, I had a job lined up and that kind of fell through due to lack of lumber. So I'm actually currently unemployed. It's, I was blown away, but it happens. You know what I mean? This pandemic kind of messed things up a bit, Yeah. but uh, staying positive, rocking and rolling and just keep working hard at what I'm doing here. And uh, I just recently got acceptance to do my test for firefighting. So, you know, just stay motivated. That's awesome. You know, uh, it's, it's amazing how many people get out of service and go right back into service. Or they just, you know, pick a different branch or they pick something else and they just pound out. So those people that don't know what business you're in, <laughs> what business are you in? Uh, so I'm in the veteran apparel business. I do t-shirts, hats, patches. I do distribute tactical gear from Shadow Tactical um, while contributing to various charities, such as the Canadian Walk for Veterans. We're uh, contributing uh, sticker bundles and we've, we got some decals for chants and it's all like sponsored by us. We're just tossing that in and all the proceeds from our end are going back into the charity and we're very thankful for that. Uh, I've done Hell in the Harbor where... Um, it was for Special Olympics. So I wear my plate carrier with some buddies and we do these obstacle courses and stuff like that. Always Wicked. love that. Contribute to the Legion, Wounded Warriors, and just other things such as the 158 podcast. So I drive like 40 minutes uh, to go see these guys and I try to document it and film it. You know, volunteer service to just go there and try to capture veteran stories. And I'm working on other videos for veteran events that have, uh, that are going on. I mean, you know, again, a lot of us leave service and we just find service. And, you know, I think a lot of us, there's this misconception in, you know, the public eye that we're trying to remember how I had this conversation with my stepdad at one point and, uh, he was saying that, you know, I, I understand that there's this new generation of warriors and there's this warrior culture going around and then he went on to give me some argument as to why uh concealed carry is a bad idea for trained people i disagreed with him and that's why we were having that conversation but i realized that <clears throat> there is an entire generation of warriors like we <laughs> we saw what happened uh we knew where we were going and we all stood up and said absolutely let's fucking go and yep. uh, I had a friend of mine ask me the other day if I was, uh, if he was, he was asking me about the day I left for tour and he was like, were you scared? Were you like trepidatious? And I was like, fuck no, I was super stoked. <laughs> we were all so excited. I remember being on the plane and everyone was just going, yeah, go to war. It was a, uh, it was a spirit of excitement, which lasted for about three hours. And then we all fell asleep, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but we were still, we got, we were we were all ready to go. We want to do our job. That was the big one, right? Like, especially for the engineers, we combat engineers, the infantry, armored. These people don't have any other job except combat. Everything we do revolves around it. And for years, the forces have never had an opportunity to actually do their job. It's all training, 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 training. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, Afghanistan happens, and everyone's like, "Yes, I finally get to do it." But I kind of lost my point there, but the, um, 
the the concept was is that we all we are all this we are this uh, generation of warriors, right? And it, we're not looking for a fight. We just want to prove that we can do the job. Yep. But at the same time, but once we're a lot of us get out and we become poets and artists and uh you know we just become really creative and we uh start making shirts and hats and building businesses and building uh charity organizations and just everything you can think of and i it reminds me of uh the samurai right they're warrior poets they're warrior philosophers they were there was always the the softer side of it they knew how to fight and that was just the way it was but then that it almost like it alleviates the mind space of fear and it just frees it up for other things right because if you're comfortable in yourself and you have trained and you have no real you don't feel threatened by things around you what else are you going to think about yeah i was just going to say the one thing that was tough for me was especially being an active sniper with a a unit that's on high readiness um when like for instance when the whole war and isil and stuff like that was going on in the middle east it's not that you're right like there's a part where you're like Woo, i want to go i want to rock and roll i want to do the deed i want to do the good things and that was the thing like watching some of these heinous acts on tv was very disturbing for me and the fact that i couldn't actually go and help these innocent people bothered me and i really wanted to go there and fight and actually help and not getting that opportunity to go back and do like I'm now I feel like I'm at my prime I'm like let's go you know what I mean like I'm in the top of my career I'm a sniper deck commander I'm like let's go and they're like that's not on an option it's not on the table and I was pretty jaded by that man and that's a big reason why I left the red force because I was just like I I just couldn't stomach the fact that these things were going on overseas and we're not doing anything about it and that, that still has a huge weight on my heart today. A lot of us, we were just waiting for the word. I know yeah. I was literally when, when uh, ISIS and ISIL were doing the research in Iraq and everything was going to shit there. Um, I was looking into uh, the private, the going over with the Peshmerga because Somebody's got to do something. And if the government's not doing it, I know a lot of guys were all looking at it really seriously or trying to figure out what part of uh, which group they could get a part of private security or something to get over there to actually do something because it's so yeah. painful to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I just, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to describe. Watching somebody, you know, beat the shit out of their kid in the backyard while you stand next door on your porch and you witness it happen. You want to do something about it. You Normally, a person would do something about it. They would either say something, they would call the police, they would do something in order to make that situation stop. And the fact that if you were completely like, there was nothing you could do about that, that would, like, you couldn't call anybody, you couldn't say anything, you couldn't do that, you know, like, that would, on anybody's conscience, would cause some sort of, I wouldn't say damage, but it would be, it's a hard pill to swallow, man. That would be, and that's kind of the situation that we were dealing with. Now, you know, the government did send over units, but it wasn't like our conventional units. And that was unfortunate because I'm sure that we could have done a lot of good. You know, I feel like. Even as like a blocking position, just like put a line in the sand and be like, no. Yeah. 
and then let the KPL or whatever the acronym was for them, let them do the work. Like you advance from here, you have have fun and just these hold the line. Yeah, these, these training sessions could have happened almost ten years ago. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's painful to watch, and I know I was at the beginning of it when they were first starting to show that stuff and start talking about the fact that all all the really horrible stuff was happening over there, and I um. I know a lot of us were just waiting for the word of Canada that says, okay, we're all going over. Guys were talking to me too. They were like, yeah, I'm getting back in as soon as we go. And yep. just like waiting, waiting for the word. Like, come on, man, <laughs> give me the word. Let's do this. Yep. Um, but it is, it, it's a wait. I think we'll all carry that for a very long time because, you know, we, it's, uh, well. Well, we've been know. there. We've been to the Middle East and we know what kind of living conditions these people are. If they don't have the proper support that they yep. need in order just to live a normal life like you and I do, you know what I mean? Like that's that's hard. That's why we joined is to protect people who can't protect themselves. That uh, that kind of leads into what I was talking about earlier was the fact that you know it's we want to we want to utilize the skill sets that we have, not in any way um, like we don't want to harm people. We want to prevent other people from being harmed. Now, if that includes harming people, <laughs> it includes harming people. That's why we have rules of engagement, right? There's, exactly. a, there's a strict yeah. line with rules of engagement of if you are going to squeeze the trigger, well, you're responsible for that round. That is a decision that you're making or that's even coming down from higher or whatever that you're to engage. But, like, you got to hold that and you got to understand that. Like, I did two deployments in Afghanistan. I came close to shooting one person. Uh, I've been under rocket attacks and stuff like that, like, like danger close. Um, but... Like when it came to that time where I almost engaged someone training, you like, I was always first on the trigger when it came to training. Like I was just like, here's the enemy, boom, boom, boom. But now I'm dealing with a situation where I've got this person in a vehicle driving towards me. I've got my patrol behind me and everything slowed down to a point where like, I was thinking of every reason why not to shoot him. Like, are you for sure that this guy's a threat? Is he like, he's driving close. We're, we're waving him off. Like, Get away from us. We were in a like a tight area where if he got to a certain distance and he was fucking explosive, he would have killed our patrol. You know what yep. I mean? So like I'm like super scared at the point where I'm just like, okay, like I gotta process this. And I'm like, I drew a line in the ground. I'm like, if he gets any closer than that, I gotta start either shooting the vehicle or him. You know what I mean? Preferably the front grill, but like if that's not gonna demobilize the vehicle, then it's him next, right? Yep. So, and then sure enough, like when he was approaching my patrol, you know, he like gave me this, like he, he looked so angry behind the wheel. Like he was just like, I'm like, this guy's totally going to kill us. Like he is not happy to see us. And all of a sudden his eyes went wide open, like pure fear in his face. And he ripped his shitty right in the middle of the road and took off. And I'm like, this guy probably didn't have glasses. You know what I mean? So like when he saw and acknowledged that what he was driving towards, and I was like, thank God. I did not shoot because there you go. You got to hold that. If I shot an innocent person, then I would have to live with that for the rest of my life. And I'm sure there's people who have had that situation and they did not intend to engage an innocent bystander or, you know, like those are, these are the things that we all have definitely learned from and have to live with and process and teach to those who are going to be in future deployments. Well, absolutely. You know, it is, you got to get better, right? 
everything you have to get better every experience every thing that you do you have to get better and um you know we're under such scrutiny especially the canadian military we are under constant scrutiny and even in the height of the fighting like i was there uh task force 108 just before you got there and we were in fighting all the time yeah Uh, we were dealing with ieds all the time and uh you know i had something very similar actually happened to me on the road i was we were engineers were lead second actually second because the tank was out in front and uh we were just driving down ring road south car was coming we were waving them off i had my machine gun up the the nine up and ready and i was looking down the sights and my knuckle on the safety right just sitting there like waiting for it and uh the the luckily the tank matter this is one of the funniest things i've ever seen too uh he just traversed his barrel and pointed it at the car <laughs> And like he he could see the machine guns, he could see the the labs, he could see the tanks, everything. But the the look just from that tank barrel shifting to right into the driver's side, and he same thing, boom, hit the brakes, spun around, tore off. And that's he was like, well, there you that's go, no force right there. So good on that gunner to be like, you know what? If the, if this isn't going to deter him, this should work. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> um. Yeah, it was just uh, unbelievable. But yeah, one of the funniest things, like you said, you get, uh, it could have been, I could have lit him up pretty easily. I would have been justified in lighting him up. The uh, crew commander in the tank in front of me, he would have been justified lighting him up. He was that close. It was just one of those things, right? Yeah. Uh, shit happens, right? <laughs> it's hard to, yeah. uh, especially over there, man, because there are so many weird things that happen. But anyway, the, the, the point being is that we have to get better, right? And that, yeah. for me, is... I put that into everything. So physically, I need to get better. I need to be stronger. Um, mentally, I need to be sharper. I need to be uh, more accurate in what I do and what how I say and what I'm speaking about. Um, and on top of that, you know, with the dealing with post-traumatic stress and depression and all these other uh, issues that I, uh, I'm going through, I have to get better. And recovery for me is such a big issue. And that's uh, what I want to talk to you about too, because for shooters especially long range shooters you know your your follow through is very important your recovery from your first shot is very important to be able to get back on target mm-hmm. and everything plays into that it's not just as simple as bringing the rifle back down right you have to know where your point of aim was you have to know like uh yeah you know better than i do but you have to know where that bullet landed that's the biggest thing is that you're sending it man and that's over a grid square away and it's you got to know where that thing lands you know, and I feel like that's a good metaphor in a way where if you're speaking to someone, you know what I mean? Use that almost as a projectile because that's something that's coming out of your mouth, which is the barrel. And it's going to a target, which is somebody's ears. You know what I mean? And like, it's a, what we're saying nowadays is definitely very powerful. Everything that comes out of our mouths is, is huge. And I feel like you can either be positive or you can be negative. You know what I mean? I'm like, I feel like my thought of recovery is that I'm just trying to say everything. Everything that comes out of my mouth, like I'm trying to be as positive as possible all the time. You know what I mean? Like, it's, and that helps because if you maintain a positive attitude, there's a, there's a martial arts creed that I received when I was, man, I must have been like nine years old when I got my white belt or something like that. (laughs) And, um, 
I will keep my thoughts positive because my thoughts become my words. I will keep my words positive because my words become my actions. I will keep my actions positive because my actions become my values. I will keep my values positive because my values become my destiny. And I was like, nowadays, like it hits me more than anything. It's so true. So accurate. Absolutely. I was going to say the, you know, the, the real importance in uh, your own recovery is the fact that if you don't think you're going to recover, you won't. Yeah. Right? Like if you don't believe that you're going to get there, you won't. Uh, and we always heard it as kids, you know, all the time, like, you know, be positive, think positive. And you're just like, this is a bullshit. You, man. you don't know like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about. Uh, but it, it's so accurate. And even throughout our training and throughout all kinds of stuff, you that's, as we were saying earlier, you know, fake it till you make it. That is being positive. That is saying, I can do this. I can do this. And then doing it. And uh, I remember there was one time where I was actually a little concerned I wasn't going to pass one of my tests. And, you know, military testing is not that hard. (laughs) It's pretty, uh, as long as you don't quit, you're pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, But on your Engineers 5 course, you have to do your advanced CMD. So you're doing yep. conventional munitions disposal and you have initially when you do your, your first one in on your threes course, it's like, it's a little simpler. You have to be able to pick out or randomly get picked 10 pieces of ordnance and you have to know what they are, uh, what their name is and what the hazards are to deal with them. Right. And uh, the fives course is where it gets really intense because you then have to pick out, they pick out, I think 40 out of hundreds and you have to know what they are what they do, what the hazards are, how to uh, approach this thing, how to do the recce's on <laughs> do the paperwork for it, and then how to uh, demolish it. And I think you can get, I think you need a 95%, which means you can get, I think, like five or six items wrong total. That's of, a high like, standard, man. It, it's insane. Uh, but it's it's needed. Like that, for that particular testing scenario, you have to be right when it comes to explosives and i heard this great quote that uh i think it was online at one point it was somebody's asking an eod operator you ever get worried about your job or worried that you might not know what to do and he's like honestly it doesn't matter because if i'm wrong it's somebody else's issue and (laughs) it was just like that's a good point because that's that's what it is it really comes down to that if you mess up on a piece of ordinance or dealing with explosives in any way not your problem anymore yeah You're absolutely Um, right. Yeah, because that's your life on it. Yeah. The point of that is, is that if you are thinking like, oh my God, 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 I'm going to die. Oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. You're not going to get anything done. Right. (laughs) But you have to go into it with a mindset of like, I'm completely right or I'm not, in which case it's not my issue. Um, But that that level of confidence and that level of belief and that level of uh, moving forward can take you anywhere. I mean, yeah. you look at really special forces selection is meant to root out people that will quit Yeah. At, at the, at the very base level of it all. Right. It's just push them until they quit. Mm-hmm. And those that don't quit, well, then they're good enough for higher level training. They're obviously looking for a lot more than that, but <laughs> like at a very base level, that's the, the key thing that they're trying to get rid of is the people that will break under pressure. And yeah. 
a lot of the times a, a big proponent of listening to Jocko Willink and he was like, you know, I was just too stupid to quit, <laughs> too stupid to think that, uh, uh, that I, why wouldn't I be able to make it kind of deal? Hey, and... You know what? I, I can relate to a bit of that. And the fact that like when it goes through like sniper training, I went through an extreme, extremely long phase of, um, selection for that. Now I'm not saying it's anything to do with like special forces training, but there is a time where we do joint training with, SF units and law enforcement because it's a small community and there's a lot of cross training that you can, you know, benefit with each other. And um, so there's definitely a high standard. So when it comes to you're saying 95 for that test, usually in the military, it's about 60% in order to be successful in all tasks. That's the, the standard 60 or higher. Uh, with the snipers, it was 80%. Everything had to be 80%. Shooting, uh, Kim's games, like whatever, anything, observation has to be within or determining distance, 80% of all, all of your tests. And uh, that was one time where I really started to see failure while you're dealing with your instructors that are trying to make you quit. And I remember seeing one fellow, he was like heart of gold, man. And uh, we didn't think he was going to make it through. And like at one point in time, like we give guys prizes. So, for instance, if you leave a brass casing on the range, well, here's an artillery shell. You get to carry that for the week. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know what it is. Like, there's a time where, like, uh, or there was a giant calculator, you know, or you forgot to bring your calculator for determining distance. Here's a giant calculator. You'll never yep. forget it. But never forget it again. That's right. So these ridiculous games are kind of intended to be funny, but at the same time, you will never forget it again, right? Because now you got to carry all this shit and you're like, fuck, only if I brought my calculator, you know what I mean? And during that phase of training for me, like I ended up losing like 20 pounds because like I was just, it was just approaching the summer. And I was like, they were working as burpees. And like, I just came from Afghanistan. I was in the best shape of my life and then went into the sniper training and I lost tons of weight. I was eating tons of food, but like I, I was getting minimal sleep in order to show up the next day and train. And these things, like you said, they're designed to try to make you break, but not break, but they're trying to weed out because if you quit on this, what's going to happen if you're in behind enemy lines when shit really gets real? You know what I mean? And you have to have that thing that, like, I didn't, I had no place being a sniper, man. Like, I failed at every, I sucked. Like, straight up sucked. You know what I mean? And the fact that they're like, yeah, we're going to send you on course. I was just like, holy shit. Like, through, I, you just, I just went through three weeks of failure and you're going to send me on course because I had a positive attitude. And in my mind, I remember saying, like, I have no business being here, but I'm not going to quit. And I'll leave when they tell me to leave. And sure enough, I ended up being successful. And then from there on, I ended up having a great sniper career competitively and whatnot. And it was, uh, you know what I mean? One of those things that if I even gave myself maybe a little bit more pep talk to be like, no, man, you got this. Just stay positive, stay humble. Instead of being negative. Who knows what that negative did to me when I was just like, Oh, I was probably more frustrated than anything that I was failing all the time. But it also taught me to be humble, to be like, through all that failure, you know what I mean? I still saw success. So it's just like, you don't have to be the best at everything, man. Just continue to progress. There's no failure 
unless like if you progress, it's no such thing as failure. It's just a learning lesson. Keep going. Uh, I I just I I love the, the those two words. Humility is so key, and it's key in everything. Mm -hmm. And as an instructor, you give me someone that has a good attitude and is humble about uh, themselves, just the ability to learn and the ability to, to take uh, stress and take on challenges and just go, okay, well, let's see what happens. I will take a hundred of those guys yeah. before I take a really smart dude that just doesn't give a shit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I actually, I learned that hard lesson myself. I was, I was a smart guy. I knew my shit, but again, I was like, Right before I got uh, my uh, my PLQ and my posting, I think this is why I got my PLQ is because I wanted a posting, because <laughs> I was <laughs> I was bitter, I was angry, angry, um, and I was getting more pissed off because I was like, I'm not getting courses. Why is like I'm I'm keep getting sent to these fuck ton these uh, shitty ass jobs, and I'm smarter than this, I'm better than this, blah 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 blah. And then I became an instructor. I got my uh, my PLQ and I became an instructor, and I realized that that was it. It was yeah. the attitude. It was the nobody wants to send a really bitter corporal on a good course. Why would you, right? It, that just looks horrible for the unit. Looks horrible for uh, their own their leadership. Like it's just it's bad. And but you you learn, right? Or yeah. you don't, and you get so frustrated and you leave, right? Uh, but that uh, that's what you look for. I had guys on my courses, and I hammered my guys. <laughs> When I was an instructor, I was probably the most aggressive instructor out there in terms of standards and the way things need to be. And there was actually a competition we found out uh, three quarters <laughs> of the way through my first course of who was the biggest asshole, me or one of the other instructors. And uh, and I was like, oh no, I'm going to win that one. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really, I, I held an extremely high standard and I uh, lived that standard every day. And then I found out later, I met one of the recruits I had trained in Edmonton after I'd gotten out. And he was just like, oh, man, I just wanted to thank you. You put us through such a difficult time that my next courses were a cakewalk. And I, we started to pick up those, the, the larger concepts that you were teaching while we were there because you could see the mistakes that the other people were making and you'd be like, Oh, right. Masculine Pearl said to do this. And they'd be able to take leadership and they'd be able to start guiding some of the other people. And like I was saying is that what it really is required is that humility and yeah. the, the ability to learn and just continue to evolve. Mm -hmm. And in, in terms of mental health recovery, in terms of physical recovery, in terms of, um, emotional recovery. You could be going through a breakup. You could be, uh, you know, have injuries all over your body like I do. Um, you know, have psychological issues. But the first, that first step is go, I have a problem, or yeah. I, I may not be the best, or maybe I can learn something here. Like there's just, you have to take that first step, remove yourself from the ego, and say what, let's see what happens. And I think yep. a lot of recruits do that is they wake up in the morning and they're like, well, what's got, what's Masco bros got for me today? <laughs> you know, or, uh, what are the sniper instructors going to do to us today? Yeah. Oh, it's creative. Happens. That's for damn sure. Holy. Yeah. Um, and you're right. Like admitting when you have a problem or even that you are the problem of a situation, like you have to be able to accept that, identify it. Cause that's the only way you're going to move forward. 
you can walk away from the situation and fuck those guys or fuck this. You know what I mean? If you don't actually like, if you can look at it and be like, okay, this is where I'm wrong, at least maybe in these small parts, I still don't agree with what they're talking about, but how can I still find the solution to solve the problem? You got to take that moment of breaking away from all of that emotional bullshit and just be like, how can I actually make this situation better? Because yeah, it's affecting this situation and people that are in this circle. Is it going to trickle further? You know, and there's many different examples that you could throw that into. So I can't even say specifically, but as a chain of command or something like that, like we mentioned before, where the troops watch your every move. And if you're sitting there arguing with your warrant or you're arguing with a peer or your two IC, you know what I mean? Troops are going to be looking at that being like, what the fuck is going on here? And you know what? I, when I was on my deck commander course, no joke, this happened. I could not fucking believe it. It was just like, man, like full moon, my night of assessment. I was fucking up my nav. It was so embarrassing. But like, even before that, I knew something was wrong because there was like two instructors that were sergeants and I thought they were going to fist fight just before we got in the truck. And I was just like, what the fuck? So my instructor is pissed off. He's getting short with me. Everybody's kind of around like this negative environment around me. It's just like, let me do my thing. Stop rushing me. Stop fucking, you know what I mean? This is my patrol. And I just, I basically, I didn't quit, but it was just like, this is kind of running. It's, I, I realized that it was running itself. It was fucked. And I was just like, I always try to always assist somebody else's patrol. Whereas like there was one guy and he was the one that was with me. Like, all right, let's do this. Let's get this done. Dave, whatever. He was like my positive energy there. Whereas the rest of the patrol was just, it was the, the full moon was out, man. It was a, it was a bad patrol. And it was like, you know, that started before the patrol. It even started before orders. And then it just got to a point where it just affected the entire night. Now, if you're in a situation where you're the cause of that, are you going to be like, I'm never going to let that happen again? You know, I never approached the instructor about this, but I should have. I should have been like, just so you know, those actions reflected my night of assessment. It fucked everything. Because everybody was on edge. Everybody was all fired up. Everybody was just like, it was a bickering night. And you should not have bickering on a night patrol, especially when you're going in behind enemy fucking lines. Yeah, I think there's something called noise, uh, noise discipline. And if you're bickering, that kind of breaks noise discipline. Yeah, we were still, we were still tactical for sure. Like we, but it was just like, even when you're in the ORV, there's just, oh man, like I need you to do this. Why do I need to do that? I'm like, man, get out of your fucking, you know what I mean? Your sniffle kit there, whatever. And I need you to fucking do this, or I need you to do that, or. You know, yeah. send up these reports and returns or do this. I need to cover in security. I, I should not have any friction during this patrol, but it's, it happens. And, and that's why it's just one of those things. It's good that you do these things in theater because, or not in theater, sorry, you do this in training so that when you go in theater, you kind of get that, those training hiccups out of the way and you can brush the dust off if you need to actually do it for reals because Something like that during a real patrol. Me personally, I would have told that that section commander shut the fuck up before we stepped off, because I would. If this is my patrol, it's my patrol. But during training, it's you know, if I got caught flipping off an instructor, I would have got RTU'd, right? So, 
Yeah, and you know, it again it depends on your leadership, right? If the, uh, the leadership of the time had said uh, they were, you know, in the same kind of uh, mental state, right? If they were flippant or uh, they were upset basically because anything else happened, yeah, absolutely, it would have been like, "Fuck you, your recruit or your uh, your candidate, get the fuck off course." Yeah, right. It would have been that simple. Integrity had, and attitude, you're gone. Yeah, exactly. And then yet, if you had a you know a switched on uh captain or switched on warrant who is you know in charge of the training and you went up to him and be like look this is what happened blah 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 blah, blah. i still did my patrol i'm not disputing my mark but mm-hmm. just so you know this is what went on yeah then yeah I, I could see that and if they were switched on they'd be like roger that i'll go speak with them right you're not you're not trying to get a better mate you're not trying to get a better grade and there's a whole bunch of issues with that but yeah this is the path, at least for me. I've been reading a lot of leadership books, and um, again, I'm a big fan of Jocko, so he uses the term the path all the time. Uh, and I finished the the book of Five Rings a little while ago, and um, as well as the the actual story of Musashi. And he talks about the path, and everyone's talking about the path, and blah blah. blah. And I think really for for me, I found it when I found I could go into a situation and go, I might have something to learn here, or before anything else. It was okay. What can I learn from this situation, mm-hmm. and then go from there? Because really, at the very worst, you know, I can get into a conversation with somebody, or get into an argument with somebody, or get into whatever, right? And at the very worst, or at the very least, I can learn that I don't want to talk to that person again. At, like that's okay, cool. I've learned something. Don't talk to that guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> or uh, don't walk down that street, or maybe I shouldn't have six beers every night, or maybe I, you know, there's. There's these little things that you have to, and you have to go into every situation, every finite point in your night and go, what can I learn here? Um, and I, it started at home for me when I was dealing with, yeah. I had a really crappy uh, therapist when I first got out and him and I did not really click at all. I realized, I think it was after six months or something like that. He couldn't remember my son's name and I had mentioned him every time I'd seen him, right? And he, he always had to look at his notes. And I realized, I'm like, what is going on? And I was like, he's obviously a horrible doctor. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't until I saw started seeing somebody else and I started like really looking at my own interactions with everybody as the time went on that I saw that guy for a year, right? I At six months, I knew that he was not a good fit for me. And I just, I kept doing it. And it, everything just got worse and everything just got worse and everything just got worse because yeah. I wasn't asking that question. What is this teaching me? What am I learning here? Right now, what I'm learning is this guy and I are not connecting and we need to be for me to get anywhere. So like, I wish I could have seen somebody earlier, but it took me a year to learn that lesson. Then you have to look at that lesson and say, okay. And the, I accept that I need to learn I needed to learn that lesson and it took a year. Okay. Maybe I can learn a lesson in less than that next time. Right? You can't mm-hmm. beat yourself up about past failures. You can't beat yourself up about realizing something too late because what are you going to do about it? Right? It's, you can bitch and whine and complain and you never go anywhere or you can just say, okay, cool. I, I've now learned that lesson. Let's move on. And I look at it very similar in the way we train recruits. Right, you pound in a concept to them. Fucking fold your clothes. It's not that hard. Twelve inches by eight inches. Fold your clothes. Right? It is very simple. 
and yet people keep fucking it up and they keep fucking it up and they keep fucking it up and you have to keep pointing out this is a priority you have to fold your clothes fold your fucking clothes until they realize oh right it actually isn't that big of a deal to fold clothes 12 by 8 right you pull out a ruler you fucking fold your clothes you put it down and boom now we can move on to the next topic <laughs> but un until they get that point you just it it yeah. is it is mind-boggling because I remember being a recruit going, what the fuck is so important about my shirts being folded, right? Yeah, but you can't you can't move on. You almost forget, you can't right? Get to the next stage of that point, which is attention to detail, which is making sure that you're uniform, which is making sure that you're, you know, there's so many points. You can't do a patrol unless you know what positions to be in. That's uniformity, that's attention to detail, that blah blah blah. And it everything builds from that first point but you have to hammer it in until somebody can learn it you can tell i definitely did not go through a real battle school because i'm horrible with my laundry i just throw it in a hockey bag <laughs> <laughs> well i mean after course right no one cares if you fold your shit that way but the, the yeah. point right the point is you need to do this to learn the next stage and that yep. is the path right that is you finding the path and when it comes to yourself you have to be that guy you have to pound that fucking message in over and over and over again yep. until you can go okay i get it i finally get it. and that was like that's a good example a great example for when 2015 so i've now been a sniper for about three years and uh, i'm coaching the i'm basically doing like a platoon warrants position as a master corporal also as an instructor because i'm doing the cq and all that stuff and uh, most of the admin. And uh, my biggest thing for the guys was know your marksmanship principles by the end of the week. I remember I said that, and I'm like, I'm not joking. Make sure you know them. So there was also now that sniper stuff that I went through, the way they beat things into me in a way like, oh, well, you forget your calculator. Here's a giant fucking calculator. Here's an artillery shell. Here's a jerry can, whatever. So... I got to a point where I'd ask them throughout the week, what's your marksmanship principle? And then when it came to the end of that week, I'm like, you guys, I've asked you all week what your marksmanship principles are. If you don't know them, you're going to start paying for it. And they all kind of snicker. Like I was dealing with some guys because they look at like calf sack is like, it's a good go. I ran it like I was running a sniper course. Like, and the results proved that because we ended up going home with a lot of trophies that year. I, and at first I was probably the hated instructor but i was like i want these results like this isn't i'm not i'm not letting three can div invest in me to train these guys to get these going like calf sack was work it was like oh that's a good go i was like no this was fucking work i was exhausted and so were they because i ran those guys and uh you know one guy like or actually multiple like what's your marksmanship principles and they would fuck me off i'm like okay but just in your own words, because that's what they'd say. Like, oh, I know them, but uh, I just don't know them verbatim. I'm like, okay, well, in your own words, tell me what they are. And they'd be like, well, you know, like you, you hold the rifle and you make sure it's steady and, uh, you know, you squeeze the trigger and uh, you follow through. I'm like, cool. See that sandbag over there? Go pick it up. You're carrying that for the rest of the fucking day. <laughs> you know? And they're like, oh, shit. So, and then. All of a sudden, I started drawing faces on it, you know, making it look really ugly with gaps in its teeth and stuff like that. And be like, okay, grab your sandbag. You're having lunch with Sandy today. You know what I mean? Like, what? Like, oh, nice. man, it's hilarious, right? Yeah. But then it got to a point where, like, 
because I wanted them to understand these principles for their success. And like, that's why they do those things in battle school. Shower after PT, wash your clothes, keep your kit clean, because this is how you're maintaining things that is in your possession. And you have to maintain your fucking self too. You know what I mean? Like physically, mentally, that's why we get up, we do PT, we eat well, we do all these things to maintain that routine so that we can have down the road mission success. Well, and that's what that is the true that is the road, right? The road to recovery, the road to success, the road to uh, mission completion. Everything is built on the, the, the little fine points. And like I would never be able to remember 40 some odd pieces of ordnance in a pile of 160 or whatever if I had not learned the fact that I need to pay attention to detail. And the details are what give it away, right? Like, what's the difference between a rocket versus a missile? They look pretty similar. They sound pretty similar, but they are not at all. What's the difference between a projectile versus a bomb? What's the difference between a bomb and a missile? What's the difference between a droplet and a blast? Like, it, I could go on and on and on. I don't know how I yeah. still remember them, but this is why. <laughs> it is the attention to detail, right? It is the the fins or the the length or uh, driving bands or whatever is it guided is it this is it exactly right like and then you start to piece them together you say okay well if it's this is obviously a bomb what kind of bomb is it okay well it's this kind of bomb it's a, a general purpose bomb okay good is it have uh is the fins set on them or are they adjustable oh well okay then it makes it this and you can work it down it's the same thing with marksmanship principles it's the same thing with um uh patrolling it's the same thing with recce right it's step built on another step, built on another step, built on another step. You can't get to be a sniper without having to be recce. You can't get to recce without knowing how to patrol. You can't patrol unless you know how to march, and you can't march unless you know how to walk <laughs> with a backpack on. You can't look at it, and it breaks it down. If you can't walk in formation, like drill, then you can't patrol. If you can't do drill, like if you don't know left from right, we got bigger fucking problems. <laughs> <laughs> but or even just it, taking general direction. Yes, absolutely. Being able to take direction that is a huge that's one. Huge. Yeah. You know, and again, that stems from humility. If a good leader uh, can look at someone and say, "What's your plan?" and if they give a good plan, you're like, "Fucking right, so let's do it." Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, and then just let them run. Right? And he'll, you know, they'll do whatever, especially with recruits. What do you got? What's an idea? What's your idea? What do you want to do? Right? Yeah. Sometimes they come up with good ideas. Sometimes they're not very good ideas. But you got, you got to train them to think too, right? Think outside exactly. the box. You know, like this is the situation we're dealing with. This is what I'm. You know, these are the or this is the situation that we're dealing with. What do you guys think we could do to deal with it? You know what I mean? Give them their moment, and then you can kind of guide them into possible the right answer. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, do you want to go and engage or do you want to just do observation and send that information back up? You know what I mean? Because now, you know, higher can actually plan a more effective, accurate attack instead of just going in there. Yeah, maybe there's two dudes that are out there that are, you know, enemy, let's for training purposes. You know, yeah, we could, we could, there's eight of us in a patrol, we can engage them or we can have other teams that you either intercept them for information or you could actually uh, have more time on the position. Maybe they have more call signs link up with them and then you can 
build a bigger plan. You know what I mean? So guiding those guys and then teaching them those things. Whereas like as a young recruit, like I said, when I was a young guy, I was always fast on the trigger. You know what I mean? Like my recce was compromised. I would engage. I didn't give a shit. You know, whereas now I realize that, that there's a reason why you don't, even though we were contact close, like regardless, I probably wouldn't do anything differently. But if I were to teach someone in now, you know, if you can get away without squeezing the trigger, like in training or whatever, these are the advantages of not doing that because you're still maintaining intelligence and gathering information and sending that up higher so that people who get paid big bucks to make the the final decision of how the attack's going to be done or even times there's where higher, you don't agree with their mission either. And you have to deal with the situation at hand. But that's the thing is continuing to develop and build those tools in your toolbox. Nice. I like the plug. That was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, as you were talking, it, it, uh, it keyed in my head that it was, uh, you know, in the movies, the army movies, see this all the time. Right. And the guys, the reconnaissance element kind of sneaks up and they grab a guard and fucking gack him and move on. And then they grab another guard and gack him and fucking, it's and never they make this, it's bullshit. No. no, it is absolutely. <laughs> but it, it keyed on me. What you were saying was the fact that you could sit on position and watch. Right. And that would tell you everything because like you said, they might have assets coming in. The situation could develop. Are they a threat right now? Not really. Everyone's doing their shit and you're just watching you engage that target you're on a timeline because oh, yeah. someone's going to notice. Right. Yep. And even if you like in the video games, you see this all the time, right? You take out a century and boom, and then no one notices. And you're just like, take your time, wander over to his position, yeah, yeah, grab yeah. his shit, fucking take off. Right. So and nobody ever shows up on PlayStation. I used to do it all the time, man. Yeah. Nobody, right? Take out the century and walk right in there. Yeah. But you know, we do radio checks every hour randomly. Sometimes, sometimes not like, there's there's a point where the the sentry would be missed right can you imagine sitting there in the barracks and be like where did did dave not come back from from being on the wall is he still on the wall yeah he probably is yeah fuck it and just like everyone just like gives up like whatever he's fine and never even notices right no you're gonna be five minutes people are gonna be like where the fuck is dave and they're gonna be like well he was on the wall why the fuck did he not come back? His replacement already went out there. And then everybody would be like, what the fuck? And then it would like, shit would happen, right? Exactly. I mean, so even if you do take a shot, even if you do, uh, you know, if you want to be a really aggressive with a situation and be like, all right, you know what? It, it happens in interactions all the time, right? If, you're, if your reaction to any negative situation is to get physical or get aggressive or then you're just exacerbating a situation. Yeah. Right. If you, if uh, you and I are talking and you say something I don't like, and I'm like, well, fuck you, man. What the fuck are you talking about? You're going to get riled up or like usually the average person will get riled up and then I'm going to get more riled up because you're riled up. And well, what the fuck? And then it's just going to blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Your actions definitely have effect of the, the event and situations, either if it's positive or negative. And like you said, we got buddy on the watchtower there. Do you squeeze the trigger and send it? That could now compromise your entire team. Or do you just kind of wait and see what their routine is? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's mundane. It's not exciting, but it's like people live. If you're in a conversation with someone and you're right, I say something or you say something to me that I don't like, do I say something to make the situation better or worse? When I was clearing roads, 
my my best days were when I did nothing. Right? Like if I just cleared the road and everything was fine, I got back in the truck and we were got that was a good day. Yeah. We were happy about that day. When I find shit, the whole day is fucked because we got to call, we got to set up security, we got to call EOD over, we got to find this thing, we got to make sure no one else dies. Like there's either everything gets fucked up from there because there's so much more work and it happens even in your own head, right? If you're sitting there bashing yourself mm-hmm. and you know, you, you stub your toe and you're like, Oh, fucking table. Why the fuck is this table here? This is bullshit. And you start throwing the table around and then you break something else. And I broke my TV. Just <laughs> yeah. But you know, I, uh, I got really upset at one point with something. Um, I think my, my son was sitting beside me or watching TV and he was like, uh, he had a cap on something, so it was like click, 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 <laughs> click. and he's just sitting there doing it, and I'm like, the whole time my brain is just like, mm, I'm gonna fucking lose it, and I told him like, hey, stop it, don't do that anymore, it's really annoying. So he stops it for like ten seconds, and then he carries on, right? And you're just like, dude, seriously, you need to stop. And you're like, I'm, I know I'm getting angry, and then finally, this was, I think couple of years ago now i was not as where i'm at right now but i grabbed this thing and i just fucking hucked it across the room without thinking and it bounced off the end of the couch and into the corner of the tv and just oh tv's gone and that's a hard lesson learned that was a hard lesson learned yeah but it was a lesson and i needed to learn it and mm-hmm. there there were other things that i've flicked across a room or i've kicked across the uh, you know i've stubbed my toe on something and kick it across the room and it it is those little things, right? Those little aggravations that just build and then they build, and especially in your own mind, right? You 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 miss the timing. Well, fuck! Now I'm behind. Now I got this to do, and I got that to do, and I got all these fucking things, and I got to make blah 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 blah, and it just distorts from there yeah. because you're not focusing on any one thing. You're not looking at the road anymore. You're just yeah trying to catch sand. You know, it, it is uh, it's one of the most challenging things for us as engineers to do is stare at a fucking road mm-hmm. like we're looking for bombs obviously right but you're you're literally looking at the floor in front of you and you're just staring at it and you're moving so slow and you got the you're sweeping back and forth and it's almost like you're hypnotizing yourself right because you're just watching the head of your uh, your metal detector go back and forth but you if you the moment you go oh shit or oh uh, fuck or like if you're not on the ball yeah shit's gonna go bad yeah. and if unless you're calm when your headphones go off and I go dee 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 and you're like, Whoa, there's something there. If you're not prepared for it or if you're not be distracted, absolutely. You know, and it uh it's the that's the road you have to take, right? You have to some days there are you just have to pound through it. It sucks, but you just have to do it. Um yeah. I know my own recovery, there were lots of days that were just fucking horrible. And like I'm in the middle of a depressive episode right now and it sucks because I have no energy and I can't do all these other things, but I know it gets better. And I know that yesterday, even though I didn't get anything done that I wanted to get done, it's over. And I just need to, what's the world going to throw at me today? (laughs) Just let's see what happens. Um, Because if I get pissed off about yesterday, what happens? Fuck off. It just makes my day worse. You just carry that with you and it's it's so unproductive productive like it's you're carrying unnecessary shit that dealing with and worrying about stuff that happened and you know what i'm guilty of that like i carried something 
maybe a lot of things for so long, even almost up to 10 years that I've held on to shit. And either if it was myself or interactions that I've had to deal with and stuff like that, getting fucked over or whatever, like, or just there's so many things that we can hold on to for so long when it's realistically, it's not productive. You're not going anywhere with it other than it's now a distraction where if you are waving that wand, maybe you miss those. Maybe you miss that because you're too busy thinking about something else. And that is the severity of like how realistic the shit that's in your head that you're holding on to can be that serious and um, distracting. Um, so for me recently, like, I guess like I'm dealing with a situation right now and I, I have my moments too, where I'm down and I'm just, you know, I have to build myself up. I have to find something a little bit of self pep talk and the fact that it's like, Dave, you're, you're doing a good job. You're working hard. You're, you know, some things are out of your hand. You can't really control, but you, you, you have to be able to do a little bit of positive self-talk. Um, and then try to find other things that make you positive. Like, oh, this was great about this day. Or, you know, I had a great interaction with this person. You know, some of the photos I look through my phone sometimes help me as well. Um, and in order for me to really focus on that, like, I, I do. Like, I have to think about these positive things and how I've already felt the change, the positive change of letting shit go. And you have to forgive yourself. You have to forgive other people that were in the situation and just be like, I'm not like to actually like, you could say like, yeah, fuck that guy, whatever. I'm never going to talk to him again. You know, if I ever saw someone like that and I hadn't to walk by them in the street, I wouldn't, you know what I mean? I'd just smile, you know, and just be like, hi, you know what I mean? Be positive and just be like, this no longer affects me because I, I, I can't allow it to do that. You know what I mean? Like I forgive you. I forgive myself. I forgive whatever the situation was. I try to just push it off and look at the other positive things that I need to focus on. I've got orders that are, you know, that are supporting Bushwookie. I'm currently unemployed and I'm just like, you know what? Like I'm going to stay positive and something else is going to come up and I'm going to keep working hard. I have to study for a fire test. You know, we got food in the fridge. The bills are paid. And things can be a hell of a lot worse. Now, some people have other situations that are very stressful for them. Just know that if you do or you are having a bad day, reach out to someone because there are people who do care. You know what I mean? Like there are some times where you, you just can't process something on your own. Reach out to someone. I love this, uh, this analogy for this, but uh, they say, when's the best time to plant a tree? 25 years ago when's the second time best time to plant a tree right fucking now yeah right and that is um you know when you're looking at recovery when you're looking at um you know the strategies that you need to uh introduce into your into your system sure it would have been great 10 years ago to know what you know now right or it'd be great like i would have loved to have known what i know now back when i was a recruit i would have been fucking awesome but I didn't know, right? And it it doesn't matter. That's that's okay. That's part of learning. That's part of developing. That's part of getting better. As I said at the beginning, right? It's just getting better. You don't need to be the best, as you said. You just need to get better. Yeah. And I've heard this many times from other guys that were snipers, and it's like you can train anybody to be a shooter, right? Yeah. Anybody can be a shooter. It the the actual principles of pulling the trigger on 
you know, some of the higher end rifles, you can produce a shooter pretty easily. But the, the principles, the principles of marksmanship, the ability to pay attention to details like your own breath rate and your own heart rate and listening, uh, being able to take direction from your spotter and like it just all of those little pieces. Sure, they'd be great if you knew them at the beginning, but you don't. Mm-hmm. This is it right now. Here it is. You realize that there needs to be a change. There needs to be something that you can learn today. Yeah. Today's the day. Just start. Right. <clears throat> I've, I've been asked uh, uh, on a couple other podcasts, you know, like what little tip would you give people, if, you know, for getting to get started or if they're just getting into fitness or mental health or what would tip? I'm just like left, right. Mm-hmm. left <laughs> right just put one foot in front of the other and i mean you got to walk anywhere you need to go in order to do anything so just do it just do it put the foot down and say okay move forward um but uh, you know that's your at least in my mind the moment you realize that there needs to be a change that's the that's the day that is it so not tomorrow not not new year's not like hey i'm gonna make a fucking new year's resolution or um, on so and so's birthday, I'm gonna quit smoking. Right? You, yeah. you realize smoking's bad. Stop. Yeah. Right. And obviously, strategies help. And you know, when I first quit smoking, it was uh, uh, I I waited until I had I had one cigarette left, and then I went to sleep and I woke up and I had my last smoke first thing in the morning, and that was it. And I, I gave myself that strategy because that was the habit was there. First thing in the morning, I'm gonna want a cigarette. But if I've already gone through a whole day of not having a cigarette, but I had that one in the morning, it'll be that much easier, right? So I had the strategy in my head, but I ha- I had to say, I don't want to smoke anymore. Yeah. And then I had to think about what would be the best way to get me to quit, what what's going to work for my brain. And if I had, you know, half a, poke, uh, half a pack of smokes and I threw them in the garbage, I'd wake up the next morning and I'd go in the garbage and I'd pull them out and I would smoke them. I've done that too, 100%. There. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I I planned it out. What's going to work for me? I That first one in the morning is usually the one that gets me moving. So let's end on that note. I'll have that last one and that'll be it. Yeah. Um. Un- unfortunately, my, my grandmother died two days after I did that. So again, I went through a stress inoculation period and it fucking sucked because all I wanted to do was smoke through that whole weekend. Yeah. But I had I had made that. That's it. That was my last one. I'm done. And that's what it takes, right? You have to say, okay, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. And then you can then you can plan, right? You can figure out how to do it. What's the next step? What is that? And it has to start in that moment. Because if you put it off, that moment's gone, right? That feeling of, I don't want to do this anymore, or I should be doing that, or I should, whatever, right? It yep. has to happen. I think a big thing too is, um, like even, let's say you did have that cigarette, and... You know, even if you smoked all day and you go to bed or you wake up the next day and be like, I'm not doing that again today. Continue to pick up where you left off. You know what I mean? Don't beat yourself up if you had a bad day. Just be like, you know what? Okay, that was a bad day. Acknowledge it and just keep moving forward. Um, Even if you have an argument with your spouse or something like that, like arguments happen. And, you know, I'm making that even one of my conscious efforts of being like, I don't want to argue with her. You know what I mean? Because it just, it's not productive. Like I don't like arguing with, you know, people I work with or anything like that. Like I, I hate confrontation and 
it happens, you know what I mean? But it's just like, how do I make this situation better? I don't want to continue to make this a thing. So, you know, you, you approach a situation with a positive attitude and you just keep moving forward. You can't dwell on it. You can't just be like, oh, man, well, I just I smoked a pack today. I'm, I might as well just start smoking again. It's like, no, no, no. Keep, keep going in that positive direction. Don't beat yourself up. Keep going. And uh, the chances of you finding that real success through all of that are very high. You know, uh, I heard this a little while ago, and I, I just loved it. It was, success is built on a million failures. Yeah. And as you just said, that's what it is, right? Yeah, okay, you might have screwed up there. Done. Learn from it. Yeah. Um, and, if you know, any difficulty I had in the military, that's where I basically went, was when I was going through my threes course, and it was hard, and we were doing, um, you know, airborne push-ups with gas masks on, and I'd watch the tankers drive by. Like on their tanks with their rucksacks and I'd be like, those motherfuckers. But but in that moment, I was just like, well, this sucks. Okay, well, let's see what happens next because you never know, right? And then just, okay, well, let's, uh, this, that one's done. Move on, yeah. right? It, my, my arms gave out. I couldn't do any more push-ups. Okay, well, then the next time they say, down, I'm going to hit the fucking floor. I'm not, I'm not going to be like, ah, oh, my arms don't work. I can't do this anymore. You're just going to get down and keep going. But yeah, so we've been uh, we've been going for a bit over an hour here. Holy! Yeah, we've been pounding through it. Great conversation. Jeepers! Wow! Did we even hit any of the topics? We went through them all. Actually, I've been I've been ticking them off as I nice. go. Nice. Well done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, this is my attention to detail, right? I gotta, Good man. I gotta keep it moving. Um, but I first off, I just want to thank you for being on here because this is awesome. It was a great conversation, and we have. Uh, we've hit so many really, really great points and so many great analogies. And um, did you have any uh, final points before we send off? Damn, now I'm on the spot. Um... Oh yeah, here we go. <laughs> all right, well, first of all, thanks for having me, man. This was a just great conversation. You know what I mean? And these are great conversations. To, you don't need to go on a podcast to have this conversation with someone, right? Um, Absolutely. And uh, so I appreciate you having me on here. This is great stuff. I love shooting the shit with you anyways. Um, a first, yeah, check out the Canadian Walk for Veterans. Chance is doing great stuff, and uh, you know, well, I'm happy to be a part of that with Mad Hatter Industries, Badger on MIA, and uh, it's great stuff. There's more veteran charities that are going on, just check it out. Hit up the Instagram, hit up Ruck for Remembrance with Carl McPhee. There's so many people out there that are doing If you're a veteran listening to this, the, the community for veterans is massive and it's coming together it's almost like a movement and it's super positive and it's amazing and uh i i just i'm so grateful that i'm meeting people like yourself chance like i didn't know who you were a year ago you know what i mean like this is crazy so be involved with that reach out to people we want to hear from you if you're having a bad day you know what i mean like if you're really down and out man you could reach out to bushwookie you know what i mean like send me a, a a dm message and be like hey man i'm having a bad day and like uh, i i don't respond right away because like i'm i kind of suck that way but i will get back to you you know what i mean there's there's so many people out there that want to make sure that our veterans and our first responders are looked after and we care about you and if we don't have the resources at our hands we will find the resources for you to make sure that you get the help that you deserve because we are human. We make mistakes. We have stressors in our lives that are out of our control. 
So just reach out. Don't be afraid to reach out. And it's not weakness if you need help. Okay. It's, it's, it's not suck it up buttercup anymore. It's what can we do to get you effective again? How can we get you back on the front line? How can we build you up again? And, you know, it's, we've come a long way within this community of service in order to show that we, that people do care. So I would say it's probably my biggest thing with that. It's such a great point. It just clicked in my head, this little piece that I, uh, I've been thinking about. When I did my BMO course out in Meaford, which was an awesome time, by the way. I enjoyed being an instructor in Meaford. That was all fun. But I got to do my BMO course out there. And one of the things that kind of clicked for me was at the top of the rope, you always turn around and help the guy behind you. That's the way it is, right? It's There's no question to it. You just turn around, you put your hand out, they grab your hand, you pull them up onto the ridge, and you keep going, and they turn back and grab the next guy. And I think that's what this movement is, because this this development of um, you know collaboration and the spirit that we had while we were in, and that we we're all just in it. And if you need help, it's not a question of you know you shutting down on a threes course and saying screw this noise and throwing your ruck off and walking off. Like that's that's not what's happening, right? What's happening is somebody saying I need help, and you're at the top of the mountain right now, or you're ahead of them on the rope, and you just need to turn around, put your hand out. They'll grab it or they won't. And then you just turn around and you just keep going. Yeah. And that person will help the next person and that person will help the next person. And it's just, it's, it's not a question of, as you said, you're not, you're not bitching out. You're not, uh, you're not the shit pump on course that just won't do any work. You're just saying, Hey man, I need a hand. Yeah. How many times have you said that, right? You're sitting with your ruck on your back and you're laying on the ground and you're just, you just reach up and you're like, give me a hand. Yeah. Help me with this fucking toboggan on the back of the truck. <laughs> <laughs> right exactly right and that's that's all it is and the the stigma that surrounds asking for help is so crazy because that's all you're doing is i just need a hand with this give me a hand and you know uh anyway again thank you so much for being on here this is uh it's been a really great conversation that concludes this episode of the toolbox i want to thank you for listening i hope you were able to use some of the information that was offered I want to thank all those putting it on the line for us every day. Military, veterans, first responders, and public servants. Keep up the good work. I look forward to bringing you more tools for your toolbox. And until next time, stay open, stay humble, and stay focused. Chimo.